Hey, Cracked fans. Before we get back to today's episode, I just want to let all of you listeners know that all of the content we produce here at CR is made possible due to the support we get from our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming equipment in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, folks. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. And in a twist of poetic justice, I think our friends at Manscaped know the grass court season is upon us here in the tennis world. In honor of that grass court season, they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their most sensitive region of their body with this exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free world Worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. That's right. They let us stick with the tennis theme. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. And look, a little personal testimonial. I think anyone who's met me in two seconds will be like, eyebrows, thick, legs, very hairy. Guess what? It looks that way everywhere, folks. And I can tell you firsthand, Manscaped gets the job done. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com and make shaving time your favorite time. Manscaped.com. The promo code is NEWBALLSPLEASE. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, July 29th. On today's show, we're actually not going to be talking about the Olympics. Now, rest assured, we covered all of the biggest storylines in Tokyo on today's Great Shot podcast with Jamie McDonald. If you want to hear a preview of tonight's men's semifinals, you want to hear a preview of the women's finals, some doubles talk as well, hop on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. But of course, while it's not the Olympics, still a pretty fun week on both the ATP and WTA tours. Of course, you've got the 250s happening in both Atlanta and Kitzbühel. You've got the 125s happening in Belgrade and Charleston. Four ATP challengers on the calendar as well. Plenty of action as always as we try to fill that 24-hour, seven days a week stretch of time with professional tennis in our lives. On today's show, again, I want to talk about the non-Olympic events. Let all of you listeners know where we're at in our tour-level action happening this week. Talk about What's shaping up to be a really exciting quarterfinal round of matches over in Atlanta? Of course, we still got some drama in the round of 16. Cam Norrie versus Nick Kyrgios. Hello. I am all in on that matchup. So looking forward to seeing that unfold here on Thursday, of course, over in Kitzbühel. Casper Ruud's in the pursuit of history. And I brought up the stat repeatedly on the Great Shot podcast. I'll bring it up here again today. He's trying to win three weeks, uh, uh, three events in three consecutive weeks on the ATP Challenger. That has not been done very frequently over the last decade. I'll talk about that stat on today's show. Again, run you through the other results as well. I won't lie, not watching the WTA Tour events too closely this week. Certainly former 
I will, it's probably too soon to say former, but 2021 NCAA singles champ, I suppose rising sophomore at Virginia, although I suppose we'll see Emma Navarro finding herself in the quarterfinals there. Some successful and notable results happening elsewhere. Run through all of that on today's show. Of course, the reason I'm able to do that day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Tennis-point.com right now for the best equipment at the best prices. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. It's Tennis-point.com. Remember the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's talk about all the action happening across the ATP and WTA Tour. Let's start on the men's side with the action in Atlanta. I'm recording this midday on Thursday, so some of these results have already come in for today's round of 16 matches, but of course on Wednesday, super, super exciting match for Brandon Nakashima. Another big win for him on the ATP level, and of course you look for Brandon, and I've mentioned this stat repeatedly over the past week and a half as he made the final in Los Cabos last week, but he's 39 and 20 over his last 52 weeks. He's played a lot of ATP level qualifying this year, whether it's going, you know, and, and playing qualifying at Wimbledon and qualifying for that main draw before getting knocked out by Fritz in four sets. He goes over, plays qualifying in Belgrade, the 250 there in April. He plays Estral qualifying the week after, tried to play qualifying at Roland Garros, plays qualifying and gets into the main draw in Acapulco, qualifying in Miami as well. He's taking the hard route, not the scenic route, not Phil with wild cards and you look for Nakashima despite you know again in the mix with those qualifying uh, with those qualifying experiences are some successes at the challenger level he won the title at the end of last season in Orlando he won a title at the start of this season indoors in France he made another semi-final in France as well played a bunch of different challengers on clay where he made quarterfinals in Belgrade round of 16 at a couple different events as well uh, obviously, last week, Los Cabos was the big breakthrough for him. First ATP-level final, he ends up beating Query. He beats Thompson. He beats Isner. He beats J.J. Wolf in an impressive three-set first-round win as well before bowing out in the final 2-2 two and two to uh, Cam Nori. For him to get a three-set win over Trent Bride, just given the time zone shift, given how physical that prior week was, was impressive enough. For him to follow that up by beating Milos Raonic yesterday, it speaks to the promise of this 19-year-old young American and you look for him turns 20 at the start of August in four days. Happy early birthday to you, Brandon. But, you know, he won 83% of his first serve points, 51% of his second serve points, fought off two of the five break points he faced. But just most importantly, I mean, it's a simple game plan against Milos Raonic. Change directions. You can't let him hit two balls on the same side of the court as well because if you do, more likely than not, He's hitting a forehand, and more likely than not, he's hitting that forehand either for a winner or putting himself in a dominant position to win the point, and Nakashima just did such a good job, when possible, absorbing that first strike, redirecting the ball, making that match physical. Certainly, he blinked as he gave up the break lead in the third set, but he stayed the course in that third set breaker, made that match physical, and again, it's it's simple first strike tennis when you're playing Milos Raonic, but for him to play Query, play Isner, he had seen two big servers, two looks at them the week prior. Clearly, that helped him in this match of course you know look 
Rayonich still had plenty of success in this match as well, won 83% of his first serve points won, uh, but he only won 48% of his second serve, 47, excuse me, of his second serve points. Nakashima was able to get into rallies on that Rayonich second serve, and when they were playing those five-plus shot rallies, I would say Nakashima won about 70% of those points. So again, it's a credit to Brandon who just, you look in his career, it makes sense that these results have come on hard courts for him because, of course, overall he's 68 and 30 in his career on hard courts. That's a 69% win percentage uh, versus in his career where he's 80 and 44, a 65% win percentage overall. But I mean, yeah, the backhand, it's a legit I want to even say top 30 weapon, just his ability to absorb, redirect pace, cross-court down the line, create angle. The forehand, it's more condensed. It gets better with each passing day. Yeah, it's a little big. Yeah, it can get pressured by pace. Certainly, Ranich had success serving to that side, but... You know, again, I don't think the forehand's a weakness for him. It's just not as discernible of a weapon as the backhand is. And again, he gets better moving forward. He gets better hitting volleys. He's not a great volleyer, but he's learning the instinct, and he seems comfortable making that first volley, which is so important. He gets better and better with his serve. You look for him over his last 52 weeks. He's winning 74% of his first serve points versus a 72.5% number for his career. He's playing really, really good tennis right now. And so, again, it makes sense. He's up to number 115 in the rankings heading into the week. But now, with this result into the quarterfinals, Brandon Nakashima up to a new career high. Number 108. One more win, folks. He's into the top 100. And I think we all agree. Once he's in the top 100, he's probably not going to fall out for the rest of the decade. And then, given he's 19 years old, maybe even into the 2030s as well. I don't know if Nakashima's upside is Grand Slam champion. I do know he's going to be very good for a very long time. And again, seven guys right now who you feel like through the 2020s, whether it's the Everett Academy generation, Opelka, Fritz, Paul, Tiafo, whether it's that Next Gen 2.0, Korda, Brooksby, Nakashima, obviously Mackie McDonald's not going anywhere. Uh, he's only 26 years old, and there are a couple other guys in the mix as well. I think the 2020s are going to be a positive time for American men's tennis. Will we have a Grand Slam champion? You probably circle Korda as the best guy capable of making that happen. Maybe Riley Opelka at a given Wimbledon if things go right for him as well. But, you know, again, given how many talented next-gen players there are, that's far from a certainty. But seven guys in the top 50, which I think is realistic for the duration of this decade— That's progress. That's a step in the right direction. And I do think we've got seven, if not more, guys capable of providing that. Obviously, the tail ends of the Tennis Sandgrens, uh, more notably the Jack Sox, John Isner's, and Sam Querys of the world, Dennis Kudla's of the world as well. You have them in the mix in the early part of the decades. And then, you know, there's still the Zane Cons out there and the, you know, Kalamazoo's right around the corner, Martin Doms of the world, who may be in the mix as well. It's an interesting, interesting time to be an American tennis fan. And certainly Nakashima at the top of the list of reasons to be excited. He knocks off number one seed Ranich in Atlanta, 5-7-6-3-7-6. To advance to the quarterfinals where now he's got a date with Jordan Thompson. Once again, he beat Thompson last week. You like that matchup for him. We'll see how he holds up physically. Has the day off here on Thursday. But again, Thompson 6-4 and four 
over Peter Gojevic. You look at the other results we saw yesterday. Good win from Taylor Fritz. It was a really high level from Stevie Johnson early in that match. And Stevie Johnson's clicking right now. Physically, mentally, he found a confidence over in Europe. Some success at the slams. It translated here early in his level. But look, good serving for Fritz. You would never know Taylor Fritz had knee surgery you know, less than two months ago with how he's playing right now and just serving freely, hitting freely, taxed that backhand, was patient enough in the rallies as Johnson hit the slice to run around that ball, find forehands, work Johnson further and further over on the court before taking the open space. Six seven six four six one. Fritz wears Johnson down to advance in three. Now he's got a date with his best man, Riley Opelka. Comes back from a breakdown in the first set. 7-6, 7-6 win for Opelka. Over Bjorn Fertangelo. Fertangelo's playing at a top 100 level right now. It was a good win for him over Seppi. Good for him to qualify and get a win at this 250 event. And you look for Bjorn Fertangelo right now, who's dealt with so many injuries, but you know won the Cleveland Challenger earlier this season. 28 years old. Back up to number 185 with his result this week. That means he's getting into the U.S. Open qualies. You do not want to see him in your section of U.S. Open and qualifying. I know that's a very minute thing, but he's going to be in the mix. I expect him to qualify for the U.S. Open. I think he's playing that well right now. So that's my take from uh, there. But, you know, again, big servant Opelka. He made his first ATP semifinal, was at Atlanta all those years ago. Um, it's just good to see him focused and locked in. That's a good win for him, 6-6. Six and six. And now, again, he's got Taylor Fritz. Uh, we have seen O'Connell knock off Sinner Thompson, uh, knock off Go- uh, excuse me, Rusevori knock off Benoit Pair today, but I'm going to save those for tomorrow's podcast. And then two really fun nightcaps tonight. You've got the NBA draft tonight. I won't lie, Crack Rackets is now officially a big brother house. Super producer Daniel Westoff may eventually leave us for the Big Brother Podcast Network once they realize how good a producer there is out there because that is his true passion, and I won't lie. He's gotten me into it nevertheless. Uh, so, you know, Big Brother tonight, 8 p.m., elimination. Feel bad to say it. We all know who's going home. Um, never, I don't No spoilers here in case you're an episode or two behind, but we all know who's going home. The point being, uh, we've got that tonight. My Detroit Pistons going to pick Cade Cunningham tonight, 8 p.m., number one pick, Detroit basketball. Let's go. Uh, and then, of course, you've got two really fun nightcaps, Isner Sock, Kyrios Nori. It's a... It's a four-screen night. We're going to go four wide tonight. Or I guess I'll put both tennis matches on the laptop and go half and half. Well, no, it's I mean, Big Brother, Draft, Tennis, Lexington, Challenger as well. It's a four-screen night. We, we, we're going to have to work the, the tablets. We're going to have to get Super Producer Daniel Westoff in the mix. But, of course, again, that is where we are at right now in Atlanta. In terms of the action in Kitzbühel, I feel like a broken record on a couple of these things that I'm going to keep be, uh, you know, beating down on all of you here today. But the Arthur Rinderneck push is real. And if Cam Norrie wasn't so clearly your most improved player, he wins his first ATP title. He establishes himself in the top 30. He's top 10 by all of the advanced metrics. I don't need to make the case for Norrie again. But if it wasn't him so firmly locked up in that one position in Karatsev early in the year as well, then Arthur Rinderneck would be at the top of the discussion. He's certainly on the short list into the top 80 for the first time in his career as he makes another ATP semifinal. Again, it was three straight quarterfinals for him. Now another semifinal in Kitzbühel. He upsets number three seed Filip Krajinovich, 6-4-6-1. Look dominant doing so. And again, with his size, his weapons, his comfort level moving at that side, he's on top of the baseline, taking the ball early, imposing his will. The big first serve as well because he's comfortable off both wings and has good length. 
it's not quite Medvedev as a returner, but he can put a ton of balls in play. And again, if you hang a second serve, he is six foot six. He can absolutely tee off on it. Uh, you know, again, advanced metrics. He's a top fifty Elo guy here in this twenty twenty one season. As I mentioned, now in the live rankings, he's up to a new career high of number seventy eight. You look for him right now in the race to the uh, year end finals. He's number forty four. That's how good Arthur Rinderneck has been at twenty six years old this year. And by the way, birthday was recently. So happy belated to you, Arthur. Um, yeah. Guy's an, uh, an absolute stud playing the best tennis of career of his career from a career trajectory standpoint. It makes sense. And look, 10% of the top 200 right now played college tennis. That's still a small m- number. The flip side, 90% did not. But I, I'm going to do the stats. I'm going to do a podcast segment on it. Compare it to 2015, 2010, 2005, 2000, et cetera, going five-year increments. That feels like a good number. And there are a bunch of guys in the queue, think the Blumbergs of the world, the Nunos of the world, the, you know, I I can go on and on the list, you know, if you want to include. It just feels like, you know, a cup of coffee with Brooksby as well. He's going to be in the top 100 soon. There's a lot of guys right now. And it just proves that college can work. If you're not quite ready, go the college path. Make some NIL money. Keep some money in your pocket. Head to the pros. You've got that support group now with you as well. I just think especially with this NIL decision, I think we're going to see a lot more players elect to go down that college pathway. But again, it worked for Rinderneck. He's into the semifinals, and now he's got the test of tests in Kasparud. And look, this is when you want Kasparud, when he's played 12, or, you know, I suppose now 10 matches in 16 days. And, you know, again, for him, I mentioned this earlier, Andy Murray, 2016, uh, Vienna, Paris, year-end finals. That was three and four weeks, by the way, because there was a built-in break in the calendar. But this decade, so since the start of the 2011 season, it's Murray in 2016, Murray in 2011, Federer in 2011, and then Djokovic twice in 2011, who have won three events in three consecutive weeks on the ATP calendar. That's the company Kasparud's looking to join here this week in Kitzbühel. And look, He hasn't played a top 50 guy in any of these events, and certainly all of them over at the Olympics. He's been the beneficiary of that, and we criticized his decision to make this choice and play these events as opposed to the Olympics before the event, but now he's got a pathway to the top 10, and he doesn't have a lot of points to defend here in the hardcourt summer, and you know, Rinderneck, given how, how his legs must be feeling, I think Arthur can absolutely win that match tomorrow, but I mean, Kasparud has proven, unless you're a top 20 guy, you're not going to beat him on a clay court. And that means something. And, you know, again, Jamie and I go in depth on Kasparud in that Great Shot podcast episode at the end as well. So I don't want to repeat myself here, but that was it. That, the win for him today over Mikhail Emer, that's what you see the top 10 players in the world do when it's not their best day, when they're physically ailing. They find a way to dig, dig down deep and ultimately earn a victory over a player they should beat. And that's precisely what Kasparud did today. You can't be anything but impressed with the young Norwegian. He advances to the semifinals now where he's going to take on Rinderneck. On the other side, my guy, Pedro Martinez-Portero, taking on Daniel Altmaier. That should be a fun matchup in Kitzbühel. And again, overall, you look at the semifinals, 
you look at the play in Kitzbühel. You look at the players still alive in Atlanta. Yes, a lot of the highlight players didn't play this week. They were playing at the Olympics. But this is pretty fun stuff on the ATP Tour. So should deliver a fun weekend of championship action. Of course, we switch gears now. Talk about the women's event in Charleston in Belgrade. And again, I haven't watched those events too closely here this week. But you look over in Charleston. Shout out to 2021 NCAA Division One Women's Singles Champion Emma Navarro. Her home turf in Charleston. She's made the quarterfinals now. Wins over Beatriz Haddad. Maya and Alexa Glatch. She's got Katarina Bodarenko next, who knocked off third seed Madison Inglis in the round of 16. Only one seed left in the tournament, only one top 100 player. It's Lauren Davis, who knocked out Rebecca Moreno, 4-2. and two. She's now going to take on Maria Mateus, former uh, Duke standout, former top junior in the United States, who was a 6-4 and four winner over Aldila uh, Sutjadi in her uh, match to round of 16 to reach the quarterfinals, first quarterfinals, I believe, for her at the 125 level of her career. You look elsewhere, it's Hannah Chang taking on Vivara Le- Chenko, and then you've got at the top of the draw in Shua Liang taking on UNC's Jamie Loeb. Shout out to the former two former uh, NCAA women's singles champion in this draw. Again, it's a 125. This is serious points on the line, serious opportunity for all of these players. No, it's not the heaviest draw, but you take the opportunities where they come. And for all of these players, they've got that opportunity this week. Feel like it's a pretty happy ending, no matter who ends up in the women's circle, but we're a uh, winner's circle. But we'll keep our eye on that. In terms of the action in Belgrade, you've got four of your top five seeds still alive. Anna Blinkova advances to the quarterfinals. She'll take on Anna Shmladova now. That should be a really fun match. You've got Christina Pliskova taking on Rebecca Sremkova. You've got Tara Worth taking on Andrea Petkovic, and then Martina Trevisan, the five seed, taking on second seed Aranksa Rus. I said it at the start of the week. I think this is the week for Rus. She always has one week of success on a clay court each season over these past few years. I think this is the week for her, so we'll keep our eyes on that WTA matchup. But again, so much happening. I do apologize. I haven't watched as close. I don't want to be disingenuous talk about matches. I haven't watched with my own eyes. Did want to give you all an update on where we were at, though. And then finally, I want to quickly talk about the challenger action we saw this week, uh, or we've seen this week. We'll start, of course, in Lexington. It looks like it might be another week for Jensen Brooksby. He escapes yesterday, 6-7-6-5, gets the the retirement. Unfortunately, Ulysses Blanche forced to retire with an injury. I mean, Blanche's power was giving Brooksby trouble. And, you know, they traded a couple breaks in that first set. But, I mean, if you have weapons and you're patient enough, you're going to have chances to attack Jensen Brooksby. Now, what Jensen Brooksby can do in the outer thirds of the court, I just don't get how he's capable of it. When he just lurches his racket and kind of just throws it out there to try and stick the ball, he's able to put that ball into the court with depth, with pace, with precision. You're just like, how did he do that considering his feet were on the other half of the court? And yet, you know, again, he's able to come up with magic. And now, Maybe the most fun match of the quarterfinals on Friday of any level and even the the Olympic medals. I think Jensen Brooksby Kokonakis might be your match of the day. I know that's a hipster take at Tennis Hipsters. You know where to find me. But that's juicy stuff. That's juicy, juicy stuff. I mean, that should be fun. Ram Kumar versus Tabilo should be fun. You look elsewhere. Escobedo uh, taking on 
Uh, I believe he's got Darian King. That should be a good one. King escaping yesterday with a win over Max Cressy. And then Olivieri going to take on the winner of Kubler and McHugh. So that's fun stuff in Lexington. Another potential match of the day. Uh, Botik Vandesenskulp taking on Yuri Lechechka, who was a uh, maiden champion, uh, challenger title champion last week. You've got Kolar versus Fevchenko. Popko versus Kicker. Muller versus Zapata Morales over in Poland. That's what your action's at. You look at the challenger happening uh, this week elsewhere in Spain. You've got Grenier going to take on the winner of Lopez and Porras. Van Richeven and Borg. Celik Belik versus Alberon. And uh, excuse me, Vricina taking on Ben Bonzi. And then over in Triest, Italy. You've got Zumher Martyrer. Tarante versus Versus Sachko versus Echeverry. That's a fun one. And then Skatov versus Kaboli. So again, up and down the board. Super, super fun action for all of us tennis fans to enjoy. I think just overall should be a good weekend of tennis. And of course, we will be here day in, day out to recap all of the action. We are going to do a preview show live on YouTube tomorrow for the Olympic final. Hopefully, all of you will tune in. Feel free to ask any questions. Send them in at Great Shot Pod. You know where to find me. We want to have some fun on that show as well. Of course, again, Olympic talk on the Great Shot Podcast today. So hop on over there if you want to hear more on where things stand at that event. And of course, if you've missed any of our content, Tune on over to our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, for super producers, Fligner and Westoff, for our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Struskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 